Hey guys, and welcome to this special edition of the Money Podcast. This is called Money News You'll Really Use. The concept is simple. We subscribe to tons of financial publications, and every month we read hundreds of articles. Then every couple weeks, we give you the highlights to bring you up to speed on the important news that affects your money. Think of it as an investor's almanac. In part one of today's show, we'll discuss where we are now and what's happened in the markets this month. In part two, we'll go over important news stories. And in part three, we'll go over recent investments that three of us have made. Then, time allowing, we'll do a listener question or two. I'm your host, Stacey Johnson. My co-host, as usual, is the lovely Miranda Marquette. Hi, Miranda. Hello. Listening in and sometimes contributing is the lovely producer and novice investor, Aaron Freeman. Say hi, Aaron. The markets are crazy, man. <laughs> Let's get the ball rolling. But first, Aaron kills me. But first, a disclaimer. We're going to discuss specific investments in this show, including things we personally bought, invested in, but these aren't recommendations. Why? Because what's right for us may not be right for you. So before you invest in anything, you do your own research and you make your own decisions. Okay, let's get back to the news. We're going to start with where we are now and where we have been so far this month. Now, just to put everybody in the same place, uh, this is, it is Wednesday, October 13th. The market is open. It's 2 o'clock Eastern time. So the market's not even closed on the 13th. So it's really not mid-month. But this is, our, <laughs> this is what our schedule allows. So this is what we're going to do. So here's where we are. As I speak, or as I, as I wrote these things down just before the show, the Dow is around 34,300. That means for the month thus far in October, first 13 days of October, it's down 1%. So far this year, up 12%. The NASDAQ, the tech-heavy NASDAQ, is at 14,500. It's down about 0.2% so far this month, up about 13% so far this year. The Russell 2000, this is, these are our small stocks, small caps they're called, up 1% so far this month. So far this year, up 13%. So small caps are outpacing both uh, tech-heavy NASDAQ and Dow Jones Industrials for the year and for the month. Oil prices, OMG, oil is $80.57 <laughs> a barrel. It's up 7% this month, 69%. This year, the 10-year Treasury bond, we use this because this is what determines mortgages, mortgage rates, and, and credit card rates, and blah, 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 lots of rates. Uh, it, it is at about 1.5%, 1.54%. It's up about 1% this month. And so far this year, interest rates, drumroll please, up 70%. Wow. Oof. So that's where we are. And now, what are you guys thinking about the market now? Roller coaster. Uh, yeah. Yes, too, isn't it? Definitely. Definitely a roller coaster. And definitely, once again, it's, you know, I know we said this a lot, but it, a lot of the time, you know, I think a lot of people are just looking at it. And especially those of us who have watched the markets for a long time are looking at it and going, what in what is happening here? <laughs> like, what is going on? Nothing matters anymore. Nothing makes sense anymore. <laughs> so so I, I just think we're still in that kind of place where we're just sort of waiting to see, OK, how is everything going to shake out? How how are different policies? Are they going to be enacted? Um, you know what? It, there's just a lot going on where people are just kind of like, okay, let's wait and see how things shake out. Let's let's see how COVID plays out. Let's see how this sort of opening we've done plays out, and let's see what happens with supply chain issues. I think we're still just sort of in this wait and see um, as we hold our breath and wait for either a crash or another ramp up. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I was, you know what I was just thinking about, Brandon, when you were talking? I was thinking about the beginning of the year when I was so confident in where the market was going because the vaccine had come out 
And uh, I, I knew that there was a whole bunch of, you know, uh, unfulfilled expectations from consumers. They were ready to all go out there, go shopping and go party and go to hotels and get on airplanes and <laughs> blah, 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 you know. And it was just so easy to see that the market has to go up. Companies are going to have to make a ton of money relative to 2020 and 2021, I, I said on this podcast. But look what changed. We had another resurgence of COVID. We had a bunch of people who refused to get vaccinated. We had, <laughs> and we have these supply chain issues. Who saw any of this coming? I didn't. And so it's made the market a lot more difficult to, uh, to estimate, you know. I have no idea where the market's going. And I was really sure of it in January of this year. Reading through some of these articles, it seems like China has done a lot of disruption. But um, it, overall, it seems like sales are up. So, I mean, a lot of companies are saying these people are buying. So people have money and they are buying products. But it seemed like on the other end of that, the products are being stuck in transit. They're, they're staying on the ocean here. They're having a hard time getting around and, and uh, getting to port. And the other element there, it seems like a lot of companies have now shifted to getting their products made in Mexico and Brazil and leaving the Asian market. I think maybe over time, you're going to see a, a kind of different dynamic with, with where their companies produce their product and where we're getting them from. And uh, this might kind of level out. I'll tell you. The other time that, last time that you talked about oil rising. Yeah. Last time I remember oil rising, the direct effect with that was everybody sold their SUV in droves. And prices of SUVs tanked. Yeah, that's true. And, and now, I mean, and, and sooner or later, the, this high, high oil prices are going to hurt things. And we didn't see this coming at the beginning of the year. Uh, I mean, the high oil prices haven't been this high in seven years. And so, you know, who saw that coming? It, it's been happening almost every month. But, you know, you know what? The bottom line is this. You ever go out with a girl and she's all warm and fuzzy and then you put your hand on, your leg, on her leg and she brushes it off? It's, this, <laughs> it's, it's mixed signals, baby. I don't know what the hell's going on. <laughs> I can't figure it out. Maybe so, you shouldn't touch her till you after you've asked about it, and that's a terrible analogy. And let's not <laughs> let's not compare the markets to women. <laughs> Jeez, I, maybe I really should have thought that through more. <laughs> but this is a good time for us to transition to reading some news stories. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's do I've, that. I've got, I've got some select stories here. I've got about twenty of them. All of them are in our show notes. So I'm going to read you, you know, a few paragraphs of a few stories. Okay, October 2nd, New York Times. Headline, inflation warning signs flash red, posing challenge for Washington. And then it goes on and says, pandemic-related disruptions have caused the bulk of this year's pop in prices, which is why economists and the White House and White House officials continue to predict they'll eventually recede. Factory shutdowns continue to ripple through the global supply chain. Shipping snarls may worsen as the holiday season approaches. Rents are rebounding at a breakneck pace after a pandemic swoon, threatening to push housing inflation, an important part of overall price indexes, higher. So things are not looking as good. Okay, that's the end of that story. Let's move on. October 4th, Wall Street Journal, headline, mortgage payments are getting more and more unaffordable. Story, the median American household would need 32.1% of its income to cover mortgage payments on a median-priced home, according to the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta. That is the most since November 2008, when the same outlies would eat up 34.2% of income. Um, medium home prices, $342,350. That is up 23% from last year. Median incomes, $67,000, up 3%. That doesn't sound like great news, does it? No. How about this story? 
October 5th. <laughs> this is funny. Wall Street Journal. Here's the headline. Is the stock market open at 3 a.m.? This startup says it should be. <laughs> right? The, from, right? From the story. A startup trading platform is seeking approval from the SEC to launch the first U.S. stock exchange that will operate around the clock, including weekends and holidays. I can't wait for that. Okay, now, here's, here's the most important story. If you guys don't hear any, any other story that I say, hear this one. You ever heard of Robert Schiller? Yep. Okay, he's a Nobel laureate, professor of economics at Yale. He wrote this story. Here's the headline. Stock, bond, and real estate prices are all uncomfortably high. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a valuation measure that I helped create, this is Robert Schiller talking. Right, the Schiller Index. Yep. The, the cyclically adjusted price earnings ratio today is 37.1, the second highest it's been since my data began in 1881. Wow. The S&P CoreLogic Case Schiller National Home Price Index, which I helped develop, rose 17.7% after correcting for inflation in the year ending in July. That's the highest 12-month increase since these data began in 1975. Now, here's his last sentence. Timing is important, yet it's impossible to time the markets reliably. It would be prudent under these circumstances for investors to make sure their holdings are thoroughly diversified and to focus on less highly valued sectors within broad asset classes that are already highly priced. That was in bold. Did everybody get that? Everybody listening? Did you hear what yeah. this guy said? Yeah, don't, don't buy high. Yeah. <laughs> like that's yeah. basically what he's saying. He's saying everything's priced high. And and honestly, I have been like, as we know, for the last couple of years, I have been sitting on cash waiting for a crash, waiting to deploy the extra cash. Uh, I don't change up my overall strategies and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm not super excited about the idea of um, getting into um, a lot of stuff. I'm not, you know super excited about, um, you know, trying new high, like I, I'm doing some experiments, uh, which, which is probably why, right? Because I've got this cash sitting here because I'm waiting for a stock market crash before I get too crazy about like increasing what I'm putting into, you know, my dollar cost averaging and everything, like increasing above that. And so that's why I'm bored, right? I'm sitting, that's why I'm buying shit coins. So, yeah. I mean, here we are. Yeah, I think that's true. And, you know, and by the way, I haven't said what I think the market's going to do. I do think we're going to, we had a crummy September. By crummy, I mean, we went down about 5%. Uh, I, I expect basically the same kind of thing in October. But I don't think we're done yet. I think the market still has some room to run. But in the back of my mind, I want to keep that sage advice from a guy I really respect and admire. That the, This market is way more overvalued than it is undervalued, folks. So don't get carried away with this stuff. Uh, like I said, I, I'm still encouraged. I'm, I'm still going to put some more money in the market, probably. Uh, right. And go ahead. And, sorry. And just like you, I mean, I'm probably going to stick with my usual dollar cost averaging strategy. If I find a, something that I think is undervalued, I may get some of that going. Um, but but the idea of just like putting a bunch of money in, as he says, these overvalued assets may not be the thing you want to do right now. Right. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I just noticed a, another news story. This came on yesterday, October 12th. Um, here's your headline. This came from The Balance, which I don't typically read, but I did. Um, here's the headline. Survey. 
Stock market poised for more declines this year. Here's some of the text. A Deutsche Bank survey of more than 600 market professionals around the world taken October 6th to 8th showed an overwhelming majority, 71%, expect stocks to lop off at least another 5% by year end. So, yeah, and that's, that seems reasonable to me. I, I think that the market could go down another 5% or so because we haven't had a big correction in a while. But I do think that I – don't, I don't think we're done yet. I think the market's still going to look pretty good. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so, but, but it is, you know, like putting extra in there is just kind of not where I'm at right now. What's that? <laughs> I, I, I hear something. I think it might be the fat lady singing, but I can't quite hear her yet. <laughs> okay, so now I've got one more story and then we'll, and then we can move on. But uh, in fact, we have to go to a commercial break. But uh, last story came out this morning. Uh, consumer price index rose 5.4%. This is from CNBC. Rose 5.4% year over year in September versus a 5.3% estimate. That's the headline. Here's some text. The consumer price index for all items rose 0.4% for the month compared to the 0.3% Dow Jones estimate. On a year over year basis, prices increased 5.4% versus the estimate of 5.3%. And that is the highest since January 1991. Uh, we, we, just, we did a whole podcast on inflation. But and I, I think the consensus, correct me if I'm wrong, was that maybe all this inflation isn't going to be transitory. Maybe some of it sticks around. That's kind of what I was thinking. What, what do you think, Miranda? Um, yeah, I mean, I think we're going to see some inflation stick around probably, um, mostly just from the standpoint of it's like, well, if companies can use the global supply chain crunch as a way to like raise their prices, um, they're not going to drop them later. <laughs> they're just not. Uh, yeah, if they raise it a dollar and people are still buying the same amount they did before they rose that price, I mean... Why lower it? Yeah. So, I mean, so it just sort of depends. Um, and but when you kind of look back historically, right, historically over time, you know, inflation rates, you, you use this rule of thumb that says right around three percent. Right. Um, and so when you look at historical inflation rates in the recent past, you know, you're looking at 2017, like 2.13%, 2016, 1.6%. Uh, you're looking at, you know, 2015, one, two percent, you know, and so for 2020, it was, um, you know, the it, it was it was right around one point two, three percent. So when we're looking at this right now, we have spent the last several years like in this sort of um, really low inflation environment and kind of gotten used to it and have forgotten that when we're looking at it historically over time, it's really closer to 3%. And, you know, there have been times when it's been even much higher than that. And so uh, kind of seeing this sort of catch up is really interesting. Um, yeah, that reminds are. me of a time, Miranda, one time, I, th I think I was on the air in Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, and I was, I was being interviewed by an anchor in the market. At the time, it was right around, it was a dot-com boom. The market was going up 20%, and it was, everybody was buying everything in the market. You couldn't go wrong. You know, trees were going to the sky. Uh, and she said, what do you think is going to happen? I said, I think the market's going to go down. She said, why would you say that? And I said, because it has to to regress to the mean, which is basically what you just said. I mean, if the market goes up 20% every year for three years, and the, and the average over, for the market over 100 years is 10% a year, in order for it to regress to the mean, it has to go down. I mean, it's just that simple. Nothing goes yeah. up forever. And, and inflation can't stay down forever either. So it may, it may take a long time, but I think that makes sense. 
history is a good is a good way to uh, gauge the future. And now, you know, we have to do, gosh, I hate to do this. We have to take a break. But when we get back, we're going to talk about all the investments we've made since we got together last on this topic. And I've made some. So anyway, stay right where you are. We'll be right back. Okay, we are back. And it's time for us to talk about what we've been doing with our own money. Before we do that, can I tell, tell you guys something exciting? In our show notes is a Google Doc, a link to a Google Doc, so you can see everything I own. Did you guys know that? Uh, you just told us, so let's check it out. No, I had sent. No, I had sent you this before. You didn't read my <laughs> <No>. whole email. <laughs> Actually, I, I was looking at it this morning. I've been poking around at it. So you did look at it. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. for those of you listening, uh, in our show notes, which you'll find at moneytalksnews.com, um, in the, in the links at the bottom, you will find a link to. It's not fancy. It's just a Google Doc, but it shows you every single stock I own, and when I bought it, and what it's at now, and how much I've gained or lost on it. I like how you, I like how you got it broken up into uh, technology, materials, industrial, healthcare, financial, energy. It kind of shows how you've diversified, which I think is is. It's cool. my own little mutual fund. Yeah. yeah, which is really cool. I mean, and I think it makes a lot of sense. Good. Okay, so now tell me what you've done this well since the last couple of weeks, Miranda. I, I bet you've bought some coin of some kind. I've I've bought some shit coin. Uh, are we allowed to say that on this? No. Well, I think I we some... just I, I think we just got censored. I, yeah. Every time you swear, you got to just go, boop. you got to say that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, no, but I bought some Shiba Inu. Um, I bought it, uh, and it's about six times what I bought it for right now, the, 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 the value. I'm, I'm putting air quotes around the word value, but um, the value of it is about six times what I paid for it. And it's one of those things that's been kind of, you know, rocketing a little bit. And I'm like, well, if it improves by two more decimal places, it'll be 100,000. So, like, uh, I, have a mil I have 11 million of these things. So it's like... Like, I, I think I was figuring it out that if it ends up hitting something like 10 cents or something, I get to be a millionaire. Um, cool. But it's it's basically it's basically like a, it's basically like a $50 lottery ticket, if we're being honest. So yeah, what have you done, Aaron? Have you done anything? Um, I have not because all of this talk about the market collapsing, the market collapsing, uh, I have not bought anything. You know, you know what has not collapsed that you and I have talked about before? In fact, we've talked about it on this podcast. Ford. Ford's done really well. And I, w I, I was going to buy it, and I sat here on my hands, and I didn't. And now it's 15. Uh, I, it may be, I haven't looked at it today, but uh, it was like 13. You know, and, and that doesn't sound like much, but you know, that's a nice percentage return over a month or two. Ford's 15 and a half. It's down 10 cents today. Uh, so I, I still like that stock, and I think it could go to 20. So there are some stocks. That is, remember, folks, it's not a stock market. It is a market of stocks. So sometimes stocks can go up even when the market's not that great. And I think, I think Ford's a good example of a stock that's going to have legs because I think a lot of people, they, they're not able to buy cars. And I don't mean just Ford, of course, because of the chip shortage. Uh, but I, but that doesn't mean they're not going to still want a car when they're able to get one. So I, th I think Ford's going to have a nice run here that's going to continue for some time. Yeah, there's a, there's a big silicone supply chain issue. I mean, it's actually relatively huge. Um, that's I think that's going to put a damper on a lot of these electric vehicles for a little bit. But I do think the electric vehicles are going to be the saving grace for automotive. Yes, that's another thing too, Aaron. I think you're right. I think that electric cars are going to replace. In fact, my car is long in the tooth right now, and I'm kind of waiting for electric cars to come along before I buy another car. I don't know if I could be able to wait long enough. 
uh, because my car's old, 2009. But it's in perfect shape. It's only got 50,000 miles on it. So any- I mean, you wouldn't know it. I mean, I've, I've lost 600 bucks now on my, my uh, charge point holding stock. Oh, I was going to ask you guys about that, too. In fact, I was going to make a suggestion or tell you something I'm looking at. It's a stock called STEM, S-T-E-M. Interesting. Yeah, I want you to take a look at that. Tell me what you think, and we can discuss it next time. I have not bought it yet. Let me see where it is today. Um, but the reason I like it, here's what it does. They basically make software, AI software, artificial intelligence, to manage power with batteries. So in other words, let's say you've got a giant company, I mean, a, a big manufacturing plant, and it uses tons and tons of electricity. Well, as you know, during the day, that electricity can get more or less expensive, depending on what, you know, what, the, um, what the stress is on the system. And so what this does is manages the, the electricity, and then they, and, and they can use, switch to batteries when the electricity gets really expensive and supposedly saves thousands of dollars. And their, their revenue is doubling. They have not made money. They have no profits. But the revenue has been doubling and um, doubling every year, and it's supposed to be, get even better. So I'm thinking about buying this stock, but I've not done it yet. But I was thinking about you guys with uh, Plug Power too. And oh, you you and also I was going to ask you about was um, by the way, STEM is up today, thirty seven cents. It's twenty two ninety two, but it's been as high as fifty bucks this year, or in the last year. So anyway, I'm taking a look at that. have not bought it yet, but you guys take a look and tell me what you think. But didn't you also both have, um, is it SoFi? Um, yeah, yeah, that's fun. Yeah, that's <laughs> done really well the last few days. Uh, let's have a look and see how my SoFi is doing. It's mm. at 1885. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, good. Up. Yeah, so it's back up from where well, I it. Well, it went up it. like three points the day before yesterday. Yeah. So, I mean, it was. it's one of those things where, like, I mean, because I bought it while it was still uh, a SPAC. <laughs> so, uh, what did you, you pay for it? Um, when I bought it, uh, it was going for right around twelve. Okay, so, so you're doing really well. You got a fifty so percent profit. Yeah, yeah. So I'm doing well. Uh, you know, you just you just get kind of annoyed because at one point it was like I think it was something like it was up above twenty. It was approaching the thirty range, and so you know, I yeah. Some analyst of some, from some big investment bank recommended it this week. I saw that on. Um, Jim Cramer or um, what's the other show that I watch? Anyway, I saw it on CNBC and I thought of you guys because I don't own that and I was thinking about buying it. I saw another. Well, my my big my big reason is they've the guy. I think the guy that built it was from PayPal or he invented PayPal or he helped build some software for it or something like that along those lines. But they're trying. I think they're going for a banking license. Yes. So it'll be a true bank, and I think when that happens, it's it's gonna do a lot better because I guess they'll be able to. And we won't, they won't have a limit on its mortgages and stuff like that. Well, I'm going to take a look at that one again, too. So I, I'll take one of your ideas, and you can take a look at mine and tell me what you think of STEM. And we can discuss that next time, and I'll tell you whether I bought it or not. Now, one thing I bought last Friday – now, this is, this is going to be the part of our show where I tell you to do what I say and not what I do. <laughs> From the last Thursday, of a person I know uh, – actually, the friend of a friend – who was a retired surgeon, told, uh, said that this biotech stock could have a, a, a FDA approval of a chemical or a drug. And so I went in and bought this, and it doubled the next day. They, they got approved by the FDA. So again, am I suggesting you do this? I'm insisting you don't. <laughs> but, but it's something I bought, so I'm going to disclose it here. I bought that, and it went up. It doubled. I sold half of it. I still have half of it. 
but I'm up 82% right now on something that I put, well, never mind how much I put in it. I made a substantial sum, but it was just luck, and I do not encourage other people to do that. Nonetheless, I did it, so I'm disclosing it. Um, yeah. a little, I like to gamble every now and then, but very, very rarely. I, as you'll see, if you look at my portfolio, I've owned a lot of these stocks for 20 years. So it's not something I do very often. Um, let's and see. I think, that, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I think that's really important to note is that it's like, um, you know, you, you, you want to say like, okay, like this is most of the stuff. This is, you know, I've owned these for a long time. Got to be careful. And if we're going to do some weird things like these weird experiments that I do, like you want to make sure it's with money you could afford to lose. Am I kind of annoyed about this whole SoFi situation? Sure. Um, is it going to be okay in the end? Yes. <laughs> so I, you know. What do you mean you're up 50%? Why would you be annoyed? Because you could have been up 100%. You mean? I could have been up way more. Yeah. So, but which is weird for me because I don't usually get FOMO because for me, usually yeah. selling and like getting money in the bank is important for me to me. So it's like, but you know, so it, it is what it is. Like, yeah. And are. you bought that for the long term anyway. Right? Yeah. 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 Okay, well, I'll just make a quick rundown through the stuff I bought this year, which is not a whole bunch. I've got a mar Emerging Markets ETF, ETF, which I'm down about 2% on. Um, I bought a small cap ETF, which I'm up about 8% on. I bought a European small cap ETF, Europe small cap, and it's down, down 5%. I bought some more Las Vegas Sands. I bought that during the uh, pandemic for 37 bucks. It went up to like 50-something, but then we had a second wave. Then it went down. On the way down, I bought some more at 47. Now it's 39. So I'm up 6% on half of it and down 16% on the other half. Let's see. I'm almost done. The, the uh, chemocentrics I just told you about, the biotech company. Infrastructure development, I'm up 14% on that. So I bought an ETF that does, for infrastructure. And they haven't even passed the infrastructure law, but I'm still up 14% on it. Uh, Newmont Mining, oh, my God, I'm down 18% on that. That was a gold play. Um, and it wasn't a small one either. I've lost a few thousand dollars on that, or I'm down a few thousand. And then I bought Baidu. The uh, this is another thing I couldn't see coming. <laughs> Baidu <laughs> is is like the Google of China, and uh, so great company. Bought it at two hundred, thinking I stole it. It was at two twenty a week later, and now it's at one sixty four <laughs> because nice. the Chinese government, you know, they cracked down. This, this stock is trading at eight times earnings, and it's like Google. So, but I'm down 18% on it. You know, this happens. That's why we have yeah. a diversified portfolio. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got a question for you for you guys. Um, so on multiple articles I've been reading, uh, people are, are buying stuff like crazy. So obviously the we have money and we're buying products, but the biggest problem is that companies cannot supply everybody with what they're buying and they're having trouble You're with about that. Buy, just consumers so, buying stuff. Consumers in general. So what is that an indicator of as far as uh, as the markets go? I mean, everybody says we're we're in a bad thing where the market's going to tumble and everything like that because, well, everything's overvalued. But, yeah, it doesn't seem like it's a problem with people having money to buy stuff. No, that well, you know what you're really describing here, Aaron, is you're talking about supply versus demand. And we talked about this a long time ago when we had a conversation about inflation. Uh, and what will we have here? See, if, if you had if you had a demand problem, then in other words, if nobody wanted to buy anything, that that sucks because that means that yeah, that's we're, what, that's we're about to be in a recession, right, right? Yeah, that's what Japan's going through. That what's that? Japan is actually yeah. Going they, through well, that. they've been a deflationary environment for decades. 
But anyway, if, if nobody wants to buy stuff, then you're in trouble. But if the problem is supply, then you've got uh, you know, demand waiting in the wings. So that, that's why I'm not discouraged on the market. I, I think that when people can't buy stuff because they can't get it, like, like cars, um, then that means that Ford's just going to have a longer sales curve than they ordinarily would have. Uh, so as long as there's demand and, and supply has a reasonable expectation of catching up, uh, then, then I'm positive. And that's, is that answer your question you asked? Yeah, yeah. Um, it, let, speaking of questions, we have time for one. Do you have it in front of you, Miranda, to read? It's from Carl. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> All right, so this one is from Carl. He says, as an early retiree at age 62, I love your daily newsletter. Yay, so everybody subscribe. Uh, <laughs> it has many interesting and helpful articles, which I appreciate. Well, I'm not currently a paying member, I will consider membership if you can answer these health savings <laughs> account questions. Okay, Stacey. It's Does Carl know how to get his question read or not? <laughs> this is like, yeah, right? This is this is like the lightning round because there are there are some like, I, I've got an answer there are some questions here. Okay, so we're going to start with the first one. I have a qualifying high deductible medical plan through my former employer along with an HSA. I understand I can continue to contribute to an HSA with post-tax payments even though I'm not working. I believe the contribution amount for this year is limited to $7,200. That's for a family contribution, by the way, uh, plus a $1,000 catch-up contribution for a total of $8,200. So first of all, is this correct? Okay, let, let's go back. Let's go back. Can he, can he continue contributing to his HSA with, uh, even though he's no longer working? The answer to that is true. He can. Yes. yes. Okay. You knew yep. that. Okay. Yep. And the um, second question, the next question was what? Uh, so next, he's looking at the uh, the HS, HSA contribution limits for 2021. Uh, so you've got, uh, he says, 72, but actually for 2021, it's for family coverage, it's actually 73. Oh, is it? So, oh, yeah, yeah, I did so, not know uh, that part. Yeah, so for 2021, um, you can contribute uh up 73 oh, no 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 73 is for next year that's 2022 My, that's what i thought yeah so 7200 is right for this year and you do get an extra for catch-up contributions so that's nice so he what's his question is can he contribute the answer is sure he can contribute now the 7200 is family coverage he doesn't say anything about a family we're assuming he's he has a family otherwise it's half those amounts right 7200 yeah. plus a thousand catch-up yes yes what next is that all uh, no, we're still going. We're still going here. Uh, so he says, can you state the financial benefits doing this? Now, well, sure. Tax deduction and tax deferral. Yeah. So one of the things that's interesting about this is he says post-tax payments, even though I'm not working. Well, the fun fact is, is you can still deduct those on your taxes when you're ready to file for your taxes. Sure. Yeah. So, so he still gets a deduction for yeah. contributing. Uh, even though he has no earned income, if he takes money out of his savings account, contributes to the HSA, he still gets the deduction, right? That's my assumption. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So you can so you can still claim that deduction, and then uh, if you use those funds later for for medical costs, then you can go ahead and that money is tax free. If you yeah. use it for medical costs. Yeah, you should have been answering this question because you're the queen of HSA. <laughs> so next, he says, I understand I can continue contributions to the HSA until I reach 65 and switch to Medicare. Now, you can continue. Do you, do you want to take a stab at that? Because there's a little, something a little confusing in there. Yeah. So you can keep contributing as long as you're not on Medicare. 
Well done. You really kind know of, this topic. Yeah. I no, mean, you're right. So, so if you turn has six, nothing to do with it. Yeah, if you turn 65 and you're still not on Medicare, you could still make contributions. So, uh, But true. if you're planning on switching to Medicare at 65, then yeah, you're going to have to stop. But here's the real tricky one, Mr. CPA man. Let's get out your actuarial tables. Um, no. I so will know says, the answer. He says, can I make a contribution in the year that I switch to Medicaid? If so, is it prorated birth? Medicare. Medicare, sorry, switch to Medicare. If so, is it prorated based on my birthday month? Yes. So he's like, he's like, my birthday is January 6th. So can I make a contribution before the Medicare kicks in? Ooh, now wait a minute. Now that, that got me at the very end there because he, he can contribute on a prorated basis, prorated basis uh, for his birth, for the year he turns 65, or the year, I'm sorry, that he goes on to Medicare. Um, but so if his birthday's in January, then I don't think he can, because he can't. He can't contribute for January. I don't think. Now he could contribute for the prior year, you know, but he can't contribute on. I, I think. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's that's kind of rough there. So I mean, if you're well, maybe planning a twelfth, on... maybe he maybe he can do one twelfth because you know he's got January. Yeah, because he's got January. Uh, but I mean, I think like if you don't have to go on Medicare right at sixty-five and you want to get another extra year in, you know, put off going on Medicare. <laughs> like, well, he, he could do that, but remember that he's also going to, I mean, he, he's going to have to have health care. He's going to have coverage, uh, you know, so, I mean, you don't want to go uncovered. The, the only reason you would not be on Medicare when you turn 65 is if your former employer's coverage is so good that it's better than Medicare and you want to stay on that and you have the ability to do so. Right, exactly. And that's what I'm saying. Like, if you have yeah. the ability to, to, to stick with that, um, then that's something that you might consider, so... So somebody, if I'm wrong about that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say he could do January. He could do one twelfth of a of an annual contribution, but I could be wrong on that. So if somebody wants to call me out on it, they're welcome to do so. Uh, okay, I'm afraid we're out of time, folks. But we are never out of topic. Dig a little deeper, you're gonna find links to lots more info, and I mean lots more info in our show notes. And remember, if your goal is to make more, to spend less, to retire rich, your online home is MoneyTalksNews.com. And don't forget to check out Miranda's online home as well. That is Miranda Marquit, M-A-R-Q-U-I-T.com. If you've got a question, comment, or topic you'd like to suggest, tell us about it. Email us at hello at MoneyTalksNews.com. That's hello at MoneyTalksNews.com. And if you want to see what I own on my stock portfolio, go to those show notes and click on it. I'm right there, naked for you to examine. <laughs> and one last thing if you appreciate what we do do something for us subscribe to this podcast takes you two seconds helps us a lot though so if you like us show us and subscribe i'm stacy johnson and i'm miranda marquette and i'm burying money in the backyard <laughs> thanks for hanging out with us folks we're going to see you right here next time